It's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, welcome to episode 27 of Vladimir Guerrero Sr. and Junior Edition of the podcast. What an absolute legend and joy it was to watch Pops play. The first half of his 16-year MLB career was spent with the Montreal Expos, and he never saw a pitch he didn't want to swing at. And the remarkable thing was, he'd somehow hack pitchers that he had no business hitting out of the yard. People forget that he actually finished his career in the Blue Jays system in 2012 when they signed him to a minor league deal. Could that have played a part in his stud son, Vlad Jr., coming to terms with the Jays as a free agent? Possibly. And the massive hype train for him is absolutely justified. He's a bright MLB future just like his dad had. When looking up best players to wear numbers 27 on Google, I ran into a problem that always happens to me, and I'm curious if it does for you guys as well. I go to Google or Twitter, and I intend to search something, but an interesting article pops up, or a celebrity's trending, so you click on it right away, and by the time you finish reading it, you've totally forgotten why you went onto the website to begin with. Happens to me all the time, drives me nuts. I know, I could just wait to see what's trending, but when I see Bob Cole is, my heart just sinks thinking, oh my god, did he pass away? But, he sure hasn't. All these legends aside, I'll bring in my next guest, who, funnily enough, is also one. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, and now welcome on Kristen Murphy. She's a colleague of mine at TSN who works on SportsCenter and the Golf Talk Canada show. With the PGA Tour returning this week at the Charles Schwab Challenge following a three-month absence. That's hard. That's a hard word to say. I thought, who better to talk about it? Welcome to the H-Dog Pod, Murph. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. I must say I'm honored and flattered also a little bit intimidated there's been some pretty big tsn names that have come through your pod you know james duffy adam scully bob weeks a couple of my my favorite humans at tsn yeah well i think you you'll surpass them I, i'm quite confident of that and uh with, definitely so you, you're all good <laughs> but yeah absence absence i don't know why I, could, I couldn't get that word out it's uh it shouldn't be that difficult but it's it's like a edited i said on a previous podcast that's a that's a tough word to say edited that is, yeah. Hey, we all have our struggles. It's, it's all right. <laughs> Let's get right into the golf coming back. Uh, how pumped are you for the PGA Tour finally returning? I'm really, really excited. I'm, I'm excited to hear about sports generally uh, getting back on track, you know, with revised schedules. But for me, golf is obviously my number one sport that I follow and I play. So for golf to be at the forefront of kind of returning to normal or what what will be, of course, a new normal, I'm, uh, I'm pretty jacked up about it. As I mentioned, the Charles Schwab Challenge this week, uh, do you have any picks for who might win? This episode might uh, be edited and uh, air around when the tournament starts, actually. So we, we can look like okay. geniuses or we can look like <laughs> we're recording this on a Tuesday for uh, full disclosure. Uh, we could so be like geniuses or we could be morons. Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm either going to win or lose, and I'll be able to hear about it if it's the latter. Um, you know, I have to say it's pretty hard to argue against number one in the world, Rory McIlroy, just Ooh, the way he was playing. Limb. Yeah, oh, I know, right? Just a risky, risky hot take there. I mean, the way he was playing um, when everything came to a halt, I, I think he had seven top fives and ten starts. Just ridiculous um, momentum. Um, but, I mean, you never know what sort of a stoppage can do when things are working for you. It could be an opportunity to get even better or it could sort of slow down the momentum. But for a guy like Rory with all of his experience and the success he's had, 
I think uh, it's probably only going to play in his favor, and I look for him to be at the top this week. He uh, has never played Colonial. Uh, this is actually the first time ever since the world rankings have been announced that uh, all top five players in the world are competing at Colonial, which is very, very rare. This, this field usually is pretty weak, actually, so uh, he's a big one. Uh, of the big names, I'm thinking John Rahm. He's, he's like the second favorite to win. He's uh, had like, a couple top five finishes at this tournament. I think he's yes. more primed because he's actually played this course and knows the, uh, knows the event. Yes, definitely. It is interesting that things are returning this week when, of, of course, it was supposed to be the RBC Canadian Open. So I think uh, that's kind of in the back of my mind as well. And, of course, the memories that Rory made in Canada last year, um, it'd be really nice to see him do it again. Same kind of section of the calendar, obviously a different tournament, different location, but um, that was just so much fun to watch for me. And as, as, I, as I said about Rory McIlroy, uh, he hasn't played this event. He also hadn't played the Canadian Open, and he won his first try last year. So the whole theory of oh, he hasn't played that course might not be might not be so good by the end of the week. Uh, I have to also have to pick uh, Keith Clearwater. Are you a big fan of Keith Clearwater? Uh, you know, I'm not a big Clearwater guy, but hey, convince me. <laughs> no, he, he's a. Uh, I, I still don't understand this. He won this tournament back in 1987. He's 60 years old now. Hasn't made the. He misses the cut by a thousand every time he plays this tournament every year. For some reason, they keep bringing him back every single year. So, no, I do not actually Maybe. think Keith Clearwater is going to win. <laughs> you, you think he's due? <laughs> <laughs> well, that'd be funny. Yeah, yeah, he won twice in 87, never won again on the PGA Tour. So but he's going to make a, his, his Tom Watson moment and somehow come out, come out of nowhere to win. Uh, no, in, in terms of actual uh, value picks, I think uh, I like Webb Simpson at 22 to 1. Uh, yeah. Justin Rose at 40 to 1. He won this tournament two years ago. That's, uh, that, that's actually pretty good value, I feel. And... Uh, Phil Mickelson has won this event twice. He's been he, he was all over the map last year, but he fin- was finished third uh, at Pebble and uh, in at the Saudi Inter- International before uh, the pandemic. Uh, so he's actually had some decent form. He's hundred and fifty to one. I think that's incredible value for this tournament. And well, because I said that, they'll probably all miss the cut. Also, it's hard to put a, an exact value on it when it comes to betting and odds. But Mickelson's social media game is uh, second to none. Wow. It's got to count for something. Maybe second to you, perhaps. Oh wow! Maybe Thanks. appreciate that. That is uh, that is very complimentary. <laughs> Not correct, but I appreciate it. Let's <laughs> uh, do a little fun uh, picks as well for the three majors that the British Open's not being played this year. They canceled that event, but if all goes well, PGA will be first in the U.S. Open and the Masters. Uh, name your pick for each of them, uh, the major winners, and we'll see at the end of the year if we were right or not. Okay, so. First of all, who I think will win versus who I would like to win. Who would you like um, to win? Uh, let's I go think with it's that important first. to make a distinction there. Okay, so there's a couple guys who um, emotionally I've found myself rooting for. Uh, the Tommy Fleetwoods, mm-hmm. if you will, that have come so close and haven't been able to pull off um, a victory of that magnitude on the PGA Tour. Uh, Tony Finau just seems yeah, like a fantastic him. guy. Uh, family man, and it's uh, it's really hard to root against him. So I kind of like the underdog. Not that those guys are underdogs. They're al- ob- already fantastic competitors, but they don't carry the clout of Roy McIlroy, Brooks, Kepka, etc. So I would like to see a fresh name at the top of the leaderboard, especially when it comes to the majors. It's funny you say it because uh, of, of my three picks that I uh, made for these uh, majors. Actually, I picked guys who have all won majors before. So I'm going. Oh, uh, really? I'm going to go with Rory at the PGA. He hasn't won a major in six years, which is kind of crazy. I think Rory okay. at the PGA. Jason Day at the U.S. Open. 
Uh, Australian. Okay, yeah. The last time they were there, winning foot in 06, Jeff Ogilvie came out of nowhere. No one even, well, people knew of Ogilvie, but it was like Phil Mickelson and Padraig Harrington and Furyk and Colin Montgomery blew it, and I'm still rattled about it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, out of nowhere, Jeff Ogilvie, you know, chips in on 17 and wins. He's an Australian. Jason Day, also Australian. I think he's going to win. And then Adam Scott, another Aussie, his second Masters title. Yeah, those are those are all very legitimate choices. Um, how do you see Patrick Reed faring in the majors this year? I see what I love about Patrick Reed. Well, first of all, I've mentioned this before, but the fact that he you have an opinion about him, you either hate him or most people hate him, or I actually love him <laughs> because it's just it's good for the game of golf that this guy brings out emotions in you. Same with Bryson DeChambeau. Whether you like mm-hmm. him or not, most people don't like them. It, at least it's it's something. And the, and the one player I, for some reason I always pick on. In terms of like the boring player that is cookie cutter and and no one cares about Harris English. Why do I always pick him? I have no idea. But at least Patrick <laughs> Reed has that sort of uh, intrigue about him, and he always he only he only wins big tournaments. Patrick Reed, so I expect him uh, to be in contention. You? Well, I I do think he'll be in contention. He's he's shown time and time again that even in the face of controversy and negative attention in the press and amongst. Uh, his fellow PGA players that he's able to respond when it comes to his game. And so I think no matter what else is going on, if you can come out and compete while you're under that type of magnifying glass, it's pretty impressive. And it shows that he has a thick skin. Absolutely. So many other players, if all this controversy was swirling around them, they would have no chance of competing. They probably would have, you know, lost their tour card by now, basically. Uh, yeah. Patrick Reed, what a phenomenal talent. What, what a guy, Captain America. I just, I like I said, I just, I just love the bad boy. Golf needs Shooter McGavins, you know, for the casual <laughs> fan. They don't care about, like I said, a cookie cutter, no. boring player like Harris English or whatever. They want controversy no. or someone obviously who's a very flashy type thing, and, and he definitely brings that. Yes, yes, I would agree. It's storylines, man. Storylines. Uh, I mentioned <laughs> your work on Golf Talk Canada. Tell us about that and uh, how you got started with that and TSN. So when I was in school at the College of Sports Media. Um, and broadcasting. David Lannis, the president, had mentioned to me while I was still a student there that I might be interested in interning with Golf Talk Canada. He knew I was an avid golfer and uh, followed the sport closely. And so he thought it would be a good fit. He also thought that producer Adam Scully and I would get along well. And of course we have. And uh, it just seemed like a, a natural fit for me. And so he was the one that connected us. And then I just kind of never went away. I, I just showed up week after week, and it's been one of the highlights since joining TSN. You said Adam Scully. He is the producer mm-hmm. of Golf Talk Canada. I will give yeah. you the floor here now. You have the, uh, the floor <laughs> to bash him uh, really badly right now. <laughs> I will do nothing of the sort. Oh, come uh, on. <laughs> At least not on a podcast, but uh, maybe we'll talk. We'll talk after this. Um, but it's no, a safe Scully's- space. You can, you can rip him right now. Let's go. Scully's been awesome. I don't have a bad word to say about him. And what I love too about Golf Talk, obviously it's on the medium of radio and radio is just so much more casual. And you get a guy like Mark Zucchino and Bob Weeks, both of them have fantastic senses of humor and they're just shooting the breeze about golf week in and week out. And they know what they're talking about, but they're also great people um, and know how to carry on a light conversation as well and keep things entertaining, but also informative. So I just uh, have nothing but respect for everyone over there, the whole team at GTC. I'll put you on the spot here, actually. Do you have any good uh, Bob Weeks or Mark Zucchino stories you could share? Ooh, any good stories? Uh, It's not necessarily a story, but there was a week where 
uh, Mark was away on a golf trip. And every time the show came back in from break, sort of played this kind of music that, you know, Mark was off skydiving and swimming with the sea turtles. And then he was snorkeling and, you know, doing all these wild things where I think he was actually just golfing. But they, <laughs> they like to take a healthy rib at each other you know, like your life's a vacation, but really it was work. Um, but it's just, it's a real sort of, the show has such a friendly atmosphere. Um, and you really get the sense that the three of them have such great relationships outside of the show as well. And they're able to take things lightly and kind of uh, poke fun. I was able to golf last summer with uh, Bragg, Bob Weeks and uh, Lawrence Applebaum, <laughs> the CEO of Golf Canada. Oh, I guess and Adam Skelly as well. Uh, at Bayview Country Club and it was definitely a huge highlight for me yeah they're great i you know what i've never played golf with any of them so i'm gonna throw it out there right now i would love to play golf with one of them if not all three of them that would be a goal for me and what about uh golfing with me or no am i out of that out of that equation or you're um you're on the list you're on the list for sure <laughs> uh how's your golf game looking uh you know what not bad i haven't been able to play as much the last few seasons as i would like to i've I have two um, two small kids, and both of them were born in the summertime, which essentially wipes out full golf season. So for anyone who's trying to plan by the calendar and you're a golfer as a lady, yeah, summer summer babies kind of wipe out the chance to play any golf, at least in the beginning. But uh, now that my kids are almost five and three, it's a little bit easier to get out now. And um, I, I felt pretty good. I've only been out three or four times so far this year, but there's something about having been able to step away from the game for a little bit. You almost feel like you have a bit of beginner's luck or you've erased all of the bad habits from your mind and you're just kind of swinging freely, which is what I found early in the season. That being said, you know, some of the rest does show around the, the finesse game around the greens mm -hmm. and that, but uh, generally speaking, I was, pretty proud of how I was hitting it. That's good. Yeah, I've actually been able to get out uh, quite a few times already, pretty much three, four times a week. Uh, my bank account doesn't like it, but I lo absolutely love it. So it it's all worth in the end. <laughs> no question. You, you, you can't put a price on fun. Definitely. And uh, uh, to go back to working in TV, you obviously mentioned you're a mother. Uh, how, what are the challenges of, of being a mother and also working in TV in the tight hours? Well, you said it right there. The hours are the biggest challenge because, of course, sports happen at night and on the weekends. And that's typically when most people are home. And that's when, you know, events are scheduled, dinners, celebrations, that kind of thing. But that doesn't really have anything to do with being a mom. That's just kind of people that work in sports versus people that, that don't and hold, you know, regular nine to five jobs. Uh, but the mother aspect, there's definitely a guilt that comes with not being home to do the whole bed, bath, story time routine. You know, you do feel guilty that you're not there. But at the same time, for me, anyone, I can only speak from my experience, but having a career and having sports as an outlet has made me a better mother. And it's given me a focus aside from my kids, because the kids, of course, are always the main focus, but it's. I found that it's just really important to have my own, my own thing going on, if you will. That's great. And uh, have you introduced uh, them to golf yet? I, I'm sure you have. I have. Yeah, actually, one of our neighbors gave us an old set that he had for his kids, and it's like a, a little cut down five iron and seven iron. It's like the most adorable 
little bag of clubs you've ever seen. Um, and so I've tried now. The only tricky part is they don't quite have the spatial safety aspect down yet. So mm. sometimes, you know, just wielding clubs right. become dangerously close to knocking out teeth and hitting heads and that sort. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we're working on it. And uh, I can tell they're just, you know, they're, they're naturals. That's uh, that's awesome. That uh, you know, that'd be great for you to be able uh, to be able to play with them as they grow up. Uh, it's such an amazing game for those who don't play. Uh, it's a lifelong sport, and uh, it's just the best. Well, and growing up, I have an older brother, and so it was my parents, and my brother, and I, and so we had like a, a perfect foursome group to play golf, and so that's kind of what we always did every weekend, every Sunday, kind of thing. And it's also how we would celebrate like Mother's Day or Father's Day. Um, just, it's, it's such, obviously there's just so much downtime between shots. You're, you're shooting the breeze and, and chatting and it's, it's really quality time I find. Um, and it's, you know, four or five hours out there and definitely have been a, a couple tiffs on the golf course, no doubt when frustrations <laughs> boil over, but it's such a great family sport. And that's, that's kind of how I fell in love with the game was my parents' introduction to me, and, um, in, at a young age. And do tell me about those tiffs. I'm, I'm intrigued. Well, okay. In my younger years, I've, I've really grown and uh, matured, let me tell you. But in my younger <laughs> years, I, when it comes to golf, I'm very competitive with myself and I used to be even more so. And so if I hit a bad shot, just the frustration would boil over to me. And then the worst in that situation would be, you know, my dad or my brother saying, oh, well, you did this, or you bent uh, your arm, or you lifted your head, uh, and it's like seconds after up. you've just duffed one, <laughs> and you're going, yeah, shut up, back off. Meanwhile, like, that guy's not playing so great himself. Oh, that, so Yes, that just drives so, me insane. Yeah, so I've been known to lash out in my younger years, or it would just be Cold War, and I wouldn't speak for, like, two holes. That's good. I, I love that passion. No doubt about it. I, I, I was like that back in the day. I've tried very, very hard to work on the mental aspect of the game. Occasionally, the outbursts still come out. And sometimes you just need to sort of walk away for a little uh, for a moment and just call yourself every horrible name under the book. My mom would be so upset with me. And just, just, just chew myself out. Then you yes. get, okay, you regroup. We're good. You know, that, that, that type of thing. I feel that really works. Oh, no, for sure. And, yeah, what I found, too, what, what's helped me with sort of the self-discipline is when you're playing golf with someone who's not in your family, who isn't a close friend, if you're maybe paired with someone you've never played before or someone you don't know very well, you're definitely more inclined to sort of rein it in a little bit mm -hmm. and maybe not show your true colors um, and just be a little more professional. And I also just think it adds uh, a different focus than sometimes if you're playing with like a group of buddies. So, and with golf, I mean, one good shot, one like crisply hit shot or, you know, a long putt, you roll in, you, it just erases the bad pretty quickly. Yeah. As an example, I had a stretch this year in the first match against Adam Scully, who, by the way, has lost to me and my partner, Chris Avery, all three times we've played. Uh, in a wow. match, uh, I started. I had a stretch I, where I went. I you'd work that in. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even planning on doing that, but it works uh, perfectly. <laughs> oh, sure. Great segue. <laughs> I had a stretch where I went uh, triple, quadruple, double, and then, but I made a birdie in the next hole. In the past, I would have probably hit a driver into the water, done something stupid, but I just kept right. saying, just keep, you know, keep grinding it out, keep grinding it out. I hear you. It's it is a grind out there, but that's what keeps you coming back. I think for me, if I have a great round, I think, oh, I can't wait to get back out there, and if I have a bad round, I think I can't wait to get back out there and try and correct it. Uh, do you have any uh, favorite uh, golf stories uh, that come to mind? Favorite golf stories. Um, well, 
in 2007, my dad and I went to the President's Cup in Montreal. Oh, cool. Made a little road trip, uh, just the two of us, some father-daughter time, which was lovely. And uh, we were watching. It was the alternate shot uh, day. So Tiger Woods was playing with Charles Howell III. Mm. And Tiger hit his ball off the tee. And we were standing, you know, a couple hundred yards out, right side of the fairway. And uh, it bounced twice and then hit my hip. Oh. <laughs> so didn't hurt. Really, I, you know, I wish I had made a bigger stink because, you, you know, Tiger Woods just hit me with his golf ball. It's actually pretty cool. <laughs> um, but because it was alternate shot, it was actually Charles Howell III that ended up coming over and kind of saying, hey, everyone okay? And it just wasn't really the same oh. that uh, I know alternate shot gets you every time. Oh, that, that is a good story, but. Oh, um, I know. It could have been better. It could have been a better story. <laughs> so, so Tiger didn't even come over and say, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. Nothing at all. Yeah, he totally no. should have uh, been writhing in pain on the fairway uh, just well, to it, you know, play it up a bit. Exactly. I should have dropped to the ground. Like, trust me, if it's it haunts my nightmares, if I could do it all over again, I would have been way more dramatic. <laughs> Shame on you for not being dramatic. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to ask a question uh, regarding Tiger Woods, actually. I had this debate with my buddy Spiros uh, on uh, Facebook last weekend and I was getting really riled up about it and I know he was just trying to troll me and it worked and it got me uh, super mad. So who is the goat in golf? I'm going to give you three names. Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, or Brooks Kepka, the goat in golf, the greatest of all time. For me, I would go Tiger Woods. Brooks Kepka, obviously he's, he's proved a lot. He has the right attitude and he's, he's accomplished a lot. However, I mean, no, nothing close to Nicholas or Woods. Thank you. It, yes. Don't it was was Kepka your pick? Don't no, tell no, me no, your no, pick. no, 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 no. <laughs> I had Tiger Woods. Uh, uh, obviously, it's a, it's only a debate between Tiger and Jack. But Spira, Spira, yeah, I, I know he was trying. Uh, it worked. I know he was trying to get under my skin. But he said Kepka will, will win at least twenty majors. And he said Tiger's accomplishments are meh. They're not that impressive because of the era he played in, along with Jack Nicholas. I would argue that for sure. But Jack Nicholas, he didn't have many competitors. Maybe like right. you know eight to ten. Tiger actually had, uh, without maybe thirty or forty, who could actually win. I will say yes. The t the tour is deeper now. But he said he said Kepka, he won at least twenty majors. And this is one of his points that he's always made. Before Tiger won the Masters last year, when he came from behind on Sunday. Spiros would always say, oh, he's not that impressive. He's never won a major coming from behind on Sunday. And I said to him, huh. oh, I'm sorry that, Ty that he's so good that he led all those majors going exactly. into the final round. Like, if he was losing four of those going into the final round, then maybe and he, and he would have won. But because he's so good, he was winning. So you're, you're downplaying his accomplishments because he was too good? Sounds no, you insane. don't get extra points for not being in first and then coming back to become – that makes no sense. <laughs> and then when it comes to Kepka, I mean – his sort of projected wins, those don't actually count as wins at this point. So you can say he's on pace to do this and that until it actually happens. That's not even an argument. Yeah, and uh, as I mentioned, Rory McIlroy earlier, he hadn't won a, hasn't won a major since 2014. He won four of those in, in a short span. It looked like he was going to be easily double-digit major wins, and now it's been six years. So you just don't know when it's ever going to end. So this actually was okay. a good question I want to ask you about that is, what's more likely to happen Kepka doesn't win another major in his career or that he gets close or beats Tiger's major record. What's more likely to happen? Probably he gets close. 
Oh, interesting. Interesting. Um, I was actually going to ask you, you talk about how it can just disappear kind of thing. I was going to ask you what you think about Jordan Spieth's game and what you think he's going to do this year. It's actually funny because I actually considered him to win the PGA, which would be the career grand slam for him. And just like McElroy, he won those majors in a such a super uh, short time frame. And it looked like he was going to have the world by the horns. And he hasn't done anything, basically, in two years. Uh, I would say, by the way, for me, uh, for the question, Kepka, I think is more likely that he doesn't win another major as opposed to gets close to Tiger Woods because Tiger Woods is record. And by the way, Tiger Woods won a Masters last year, so it's not like he stopped playing majors too. No. Uh, but yeah. You he, know what? I, I would prefer that be the case. Kepka, I know a lot of people love him and especially a lot of people that don't follow golf avidly because they, they like kind of his cocky attitude and his confidence and whatever, but I it doesn't it doesn't do it for me personally. No, I see whenever I did his first major title victory, I did the highlight pack for TSN brag. And <laughs> I thought, well, this guy's pretty boring, he doesn't really bring a lot to the table, doesn't really do much. But when I actually listened to him talking in that press conference, I was like, This guy is actually pretty fascinating. He has a good take on things and he has fun, uh, interesting answers and so mm-hmm. I, I just like sort of like I said with Patrick Reed and Bryson DeChambeau, that's good you know, you don't like him, that's fine, but at least you have an opinion yeah. on him. So that is why yes. I do like Bruce Kepka. That's to, fair. To your earlier point about uh, Spieth, it is yeah. amazing how you know he's just gone to complete crap uh, the last couple of years. He's actually putting better than he was during his heyday, which is kind of funny. Uh, Nick Faldo, who's one of the uh, analysts, I don't love him. I think he's very long-winded. And he said last year, they asked him, I think it was uh, Jim Nance asked him, like, what's going on with Spieth? And he goes, ah, his putting's not very good lately. Actually, his putting's better than it ever was. It's just his <laughs> long game, uh, driving and his uh, irons and everything are just absolutely putrid by tour standards. I'm sure he'll get back to being on form. He's actually a long shot at the Charles Schwab Challenge as well, and I'd consider betting on him. But it's, I would it's, love to see him back in the winner's circle. Yeah, it's pretty crazy how, how far he's fallen. It is. Well, and he's also one of these guys where he he doesn't have a very good poker face. If he's not playing well, you know, he's talking to his ball. He's very visibly frustrated. You can tell he wears his heart on his sleeve, and I, I respect that. And uh, as much as I, I, I agree, I, I've, at times I've not liked Spieth for that. Again, I have to go back to what I originally said. I can't be hypocritical about it. I, you know, you at least have an opinion on Spieth and what he's done and you know, his attitude and everything. Uh, you, you can't say he's boring. So uh, that, no. that's, that's good for the game. That's right. Who wants to be boring? Uh, hopefully I'm not boring. That would uh, that would be the worst. If, 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 if you can call me anything, uh, calling me boring, I think that one would hurt the most. Yeah, that's, that's a rough label to have, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I can't imagine uh, this show, to pivot off of that, this is a decent segue. I must give myself uh, some credit. Uh, <laughs> Let's not, hear it first. A show that's not boring, Real Housewives. You were telling me, we were talking beforehand <laughs> about reality TV, yeah. what shows you like. You love them. I've never seen the episodes. Sell me okay. on that show. Why should I watch them? Which one's the best? Okay, so Real Housewives, it definitely varies as far as which city Um which season you're looking at, but the ones that typically don't disappoint real housewives of New York city and real housewives of orange County. And then the third one I'd put in there is Beverly Hills. How many they have like 20 of them. They had, they had, so they had Toronto many, like, too, didn't they? Oh yeah. They had Toronto. That one was pretty dull. Like everyone mm, talk about boring, boring. Actually that was, it was boring. They, you want controversy, especially if you're tuning into crap like the television I watch it better be (laughs) dramatic and juicy and otherwise what's the point um but yeah you know you get a group of women that have a ton of money and just kind of outrageous tastes and sort of their self-centered ways of course that's not everyone with 
money, but it's these people have been handpicked because they are they're outgoing, they're Scum opinionated. The <laughs> yeah, they're um, you know, not always they don't always have a, a grip on reality, and that's what makes for great reality television. Uh, so that's definitely um, a show I would consider if you're looking to get into something different. The other one that's really become my top choice, and I, I didn't mention this, but I was saving it, is Below Deck. Below, what's it called? Below Deck? It's called Below Deck, and it is... Below Deck, okay. It's, it's actually... It's taken over for me as number one on the reality show scene. So basically you have a group of people who work on a yacht, like a super yacht, high-end, you know, $20 million plus yacht. And every season you have multiple people chartering this yacht. So you have a group of people coming on. It could be a bunch of people from the same workplace, could be a couple and their friends, could be a boy's trip, a girl's trip, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's sort of behind the scenes of the deck crew and then the service crew. And they're living in these tiny quarters in the bottom of the yacht where the charter guests are like lap of luxury, treating people not very well at times, but you have people from all over parts of the world working together in tight, confined spaces on a boat essentially. And of course that is just prime breeding ground for chaos. And what, what network is this on? Um, well, I watch all of my reality stuff through Hey You, where you can just stream like any season of any reality show that's ever existed for a cool $5 a month. Oof, I don't work for, for them. I should say I do not work for them. <laughs> oh, they should but, be a sponsor uh, of this podcast. Oh, man, it is it is a fantastic service. And it, I can get it on my phone. I can watch it wherever. And sometimes the sort of day-to-day mom stuff it's like a, it's a perfect outlet for me and so this, this below deck show they just there's people living on a boat and they're being idiots like there's no actual there's not a competition there's no point no, to the game show as, as in terms of winning winning money or something no nothing like that at all it's just it's almost like a big brother kind of thing but on a boat not as long of a period of time and the, the staff stays the same but then you've got the charter guests that come on and they bring on sort of different issues and setbacks for the crew. <laughs> and, uh, you know, often there's like a dud in the crew or someone inexperienced or, uh, and then they have these like wild nights out together and they don't really know each other. And then of course create some, uh, interesting content, if you will. <laughs> interesting. Uh, to go back to real housewives for a sec, yeah, actually, uh, sure. I, I've never seen, like I said, I've never seen the show, but I've always thought about this and thought it was weird. Mm. Aren't they all divorced? Like, how can they say they're real housewives if they're all, I swear, like, 80% of them are divorced. It makes no sense. They're not all divorced. That's not true. Some of them are definitely on second, third marriages. Uh, some are single. No, there's, there's a variety But how, how can you be of, single if you're a real housewife? You're not, you're a fake housewife because you're single. You're, you're divorced. You're not actually. I mean, yeah, I hear what you're saying if you're, if you're getting really technical. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, isn't there someone you can write a letter to? Because maybe that is false advertising. Mm, yeah, I'm very upset about it. Very passionate about it, as you could tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, man, you, you really make the people think, you know? Yeah, you know, that, that, that's why I strive to do each and every podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'll get you out of here on this. Something else I'm also passionate about. A Bachelor best of season. Did you watch it all? Uh, so um, from what I gather, they're having like three hours. Three hours, too. I love a show that's super long. Three-hour episodes every Monday, best of seasons. Uh, you know, I'm not sure for how long, but for a while. 
Um, okay, so no, I did not watch, and mm, sad. I am a person that watches The Bachelor pretty regularly. However, the idea of kind of like a Bachelor highlight reel does not appeal to me at all. Yeah, actually, I didn't watch it myself either. I feel it might be a perfect like weekend thing where you're just sort of on in the background. You're not really paying attention. Maybe I'm playing video games or something like that. Uh, sure. What they should have done sure. instead of that was have uh, was it, Peter's mom just have Peter's mom on TV talking about women and uh, Peter's uh, potential dates and lovers. Uh, they should have had her <laughs> talking for about two, three hours. That'd be far more entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I just I just don't get it. I mean, if you've if you're a fan of the show, obviously you've seen all the episodes already. I don't know how many new viewers they're going to get by showing just snippets from seasons because you kind of need to follow all season long to really have a grasp on what's going on with all the relationships. I think what they're so, doing, uh, actually, I didn't realize this at first. I think they're picking one person per episode and like their season and just showing their season for the whole three hours as opposed to going back and forth, which is what I thought oh, they were originally doing. Okay. But, I guess that, that makes more sense. And did you see last season with Peter or no? Um, you know what? I watched like, the first half of it. It wasn't really uh, my favorite season. Like mentally checked out. So I don't actually know who he chose. You can okay. tell me now. Well, I'm so, probably not going to watch it. No, so. no. Well, see, uh, the, I had a feeling you hadn't watched it based on my comment about his mother. Because if you had watched the uh, ending of that, just watch the last couple episodes. That's all you need to do. His okay. mom is absolutely electric. She is. Uh, <laughs> she stole the show because I agree the season wasn't very good. She was a completely rude. Com- absolutely trashed one of his girls that he wanted to pick. Uh, basically put a, put a huge, humongous wedge, pitching wedge, inside their relationship and just pitching screwed it all wedge. over. And it was hilarious. She was, the look she gave on TV, honestly, watch those last few episodes. You, you could skip ahead to the last few. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter to get to that point. But his mom okay. stole the whole show. And I wish you'd seen it because we could have talked about her for about 19 hours. She was hilarious. Well, I've, I've found generally with The Bachelor, when they do the hometown dates, it's very interesting when you meet the moms, you meet the families. That's when things really start to kind of take shape in terms of what maybe life with this person could look like. And so often it's the moms that are the firecrackers. <sighs> Man, she definitely did not disappoint. And like I said, I think she should just have her own spinoff series. She was that good. So uh, and I'm not uh, building this up. This is actually even it's probably even better than what I'm uh, what I'm saying. She was that good. So. <laughs> I look forward to watching it. <laughs> and uh, definitely check back in. And uh, we'll have to have you on the H-Dog bot again. Thank you so much, uh, Kristen, for uh, coming on. It was a, a lot of fun. And uh, hit, him, uh, hit him straight in the golf course. I really appreciate it. I was just going to say the same to you. Hit it long and straight. And I look oh. forward to chatting to you soon. That was tons of fun chatting with Kristen about golf and getting fired up on the golf course. And that Tiger Woods hitting her with a golf ball story at the President's Cup was fantastic. You can follow her on social media at Murphy Marie. That's M-U-R-F-F-Y Marie on Twitter and Instagram. I don't know if she sold me on The Real Housewives, to be honest. Until they make this show completely aptly named with Real Housewives, I feel like I'm watching a lie. Side tangent, it's always funny on dating apps when you see someone write, I hate liars and douchebags. First of all, who loves liars? Secondly, do you really think a douchebag will actually decline the message after seeing that? If anything, I'm assuming if they were one, spoiler alert, I'm not one, I think, I hope, so I wouldn't know, they'd be, you'd think they'd be more inclined to then send a message, wouldn't they? Anyway, I digress. Thank you for listening to episode 27 of the H-Dog Pod. Bang! This has been the H-Dog Pod with host Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Bang! Bang! Bang!